So, Nick, lovely to have you on the Sales and Sports Podcast. Thank you for coming on at late notice. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Nick is a two-time founder and exited Design My Night for over £30 million. So we're in good company here, the first um, startup founder on the Sales and Sports Podcast. So, yeah, I guess, Nick, would love to hear from yourself what you're up to at the moment, how you broke into, I guess, the tech space and, and what you're doing at the moment with, with Trumpet. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I broke into the tech space, I think, after my first job. So I worked at L'Oreal doing marketing. Um, that was straight out of university. I did languages degree, so nothing to do with business or marketing or sales or anything. Um, and then in my mid-20s, uh, decided that I wanted to go alone. Um, and one of my best mates from uni, Andrew, uh, had the same same thoughts as me, luckily. And, and we came up with the idea for Design My Night when we were actually on holiday in New York together. Um, and yeah, with no no tech experience, either of us, um, we decided to, to launch Design My Night, which ended up being a, well, like an eight, nine year journey. Um, we grew it over a hundred people uh, based out in London. Um, and yeah, for our first startup was uh, really successful, which is great. Um, bit of a sort of household name for anyone going out, especially in, in London. Um, so that's always great uh, for us that people still talk about Design My Night. Um, and then, yeah, when I exited that, which was in 2019, um, COVID hit very soon after. So we sort of all were stuck indoors. So I thought, let's just go again um for some bizarre reason um and we actually looked at the sales space so we looked back at design my night we thought which teams didn't really have good tech um and it's actually we looked at the sales team and they had lots of outreach tools we obviously had crm but then that whole gap in the middle when you're sort of going back and forward with your prospect was all just done over emails links pdfs decks so we thought actually it goes to about three years ago now like why don't we build a space that you can collaborate with your buyer on um and th this became a digital sales room which became trumpet we were sort of one of the first to, to come out onto the market um in the last sort of six seven months it's become a, a bit of a trend which is, is great for us um but yeah it's all about salespeople, aes SDRs, building collaborative personalized spaces that you can drop all the different types of content in you need videos audios customer success stories etc cetera, etc cetera, and collaborate with your buyer in that one space to then ultimately get the deal done awesome sounds like um yeah obviously a space that's blowing up and i guess quite nice that in a weird way that you're getting um more i guess folk even trying to enter the space because it sort of validates you know you guys and and maybe the idea you had initially and, and with design my night and trumpet was it like a light bulb moment where you thought of the idea and then couldn't sleep and you decided to pursue it and i guess going back to your grad scheme um did you know what you wanted to do when you came out of university and you, are you a big advocate for i guess young grads going on grad schemes and get experience and, and i guess would love to know um your thoughts on early careers and i guess traditional education yeah, I mean, I um, 
I always just thought marketing. Um, I didn't really know 100% what it entailed. Um, I'm, I'm quite creative in my mind. Um, so I think I just thought that that was a career that would work for me. Um, the grad scheme, I think they were a lot bigger back in the day. You know, it's, I'm going quite a way back now. L'Oreal was one of the, the main ones in London. Um, for me, it was great. Uh, I think there's a lot of people that look down now at sort of corporate grad schemes. You know, startups are the sort of sexy thing to go into. Um, but actually, is a great base to sort of learn the foundations of business. Like you come out of university or you don't go to university, you've come out of school or whatever. Um, and, you know, obviously you don't really know the ins and outs of business. Um, so, you know, at L'Oreal, as well as marketing, I was like taught how to manage multi-stakeholders and agencies, how to work to deadlines, how to manage sort of internal politics, um, how to manage teams. So I learned a lot from my managers and then ended up managing my own team. And then the business stuff. So learning like a budget, a PL, um, how to forecast, all of these things on a big scale, because it's a company like L'Oreal, um, was sort of invaluable to me. Um, however, having said that, you know, I, I do tell sort of younger people I speak to just to sort of, you know, follow your sort of desire of what you want to do. Um, you know, we're in a in a world now where you can go and do your own thing very quickly, whether that's in like influencer marketing. Um, you can start startups very cheaply and easily. Um, if you want, you don't have to spend a fortune like we did back in the day with like a digital agency. Um, but also, I would say if you are really interested in startups, then you know, you don't necessarily have to be a founder straight away, go and work in a startup. Um, and, you know, I've hired a lot of people in, in my various startups. And to be honest, like very rarely look at CV. So, you know, I'm not really interested if you've been to university, um, you know, especially in startups, you're more looking for sort of that passion, that drive, willingness to learn, or willing to work hard, um you know those are the traits i really look for um so yeah i would advise there's no one single route that you should go down um but you know if, if you love business and you love startups then yeah look the earlier you can get into them the better uh, the more you can learn uh, and then that if you do want to then go and do your own thing provides you with a nice basis um to then go and, and set up your own thing one day love that that that's great advice and that's what someone told me actually when i was thinking of starting something out of university it's go get some experience learn from other people learn from their mistakes and then you know you might have some more substance to to crack on and, and do something yourself so um that's awesome it is a sales and sports podcast so we'd love to hear your sales experience did you were you taught sales or was it something as a founder you just had to go out go go and do did it did it come naturally to you and any stories from i guess the early days your first startup or even trumpet what's your sort of go-to-market strategy at the moment and what have, what have you done in the past in terms of sales yeah so sales was never really i never really looked at sales as a career i was going to go into um but yeah as you say as a founder it's probably one of the most important skills you can have as a founder you know every founder should be able to sell their own business um and i always say you're constantly selling. So you're selling your vision to investors, you're selling the company to your employees, you're selling the product to potential customers. So like selling as a skill, I see more as like a personality trait. Um, and I sort of stumbled into it as a founder that I had good you know, sales personality traits. 
being analytical, uh, personable, um, can make connections quickly, uh, can make connections with different people from different walks of life, um, being honest and uh, relatable when you speak to someone that you're not sort of BSing them. Um, you know, those are sort of the, the, the soft skills, if you want, um, that are so important in sales. You know, you it's become obviously an art, you know, with all the tools that are out there now and, you know, knowing how to nurture leads, find leads, sequence those leads, um, you know, all, all of the sort of juicy sales stuff that you might learn. But for me, if you don't have that, just that, you know, that sense to be able to relate to people and get on with people and make people like you, make people follow you. Um, I think you can have all the tools in the world, but, you know, sales might not be for you. Um, obviously, a big personality trait as well is persistence. Um, you know, you have to obviously cope with rejection. Uh, you have to brush it off and go again. You have to be humble enough to learn from your rejections as well. It's not always them. You know, you might have done something wrong to make them reject you. So you need to be open to learning about that as well. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of the hardest industries, I think. Um, it can be really rewarding financially um, and excitedly. Like the sales team are the one that drives a business forward. Without sales, you don't have a business. But it can equally be pretty soul destroying. You know, if you're not hitting your target, you're not making cash. Um it's very cut and thrust. You know, if you're not hitting your numbers, you're, no. you could get be get rid of. Uh, and that's sort of the risk reward of sales. So it's definitely not like a comfortable sit back and relax job. Um, and it suits some people um, a lot better th than others. Um, I see like customer success account management as ones uh, which are great for people that might not have that hunter instinct of a salesperson, but okay. have have the personal personal skills to get on with people uh, cs and account management which is essentially soft selling um could be a great position for you to go into 100 no, i definitely back that up it's probably more on the relationship front right instead of that transactional um sell and that sort of outbound mentality um that's great and i guess at the moment at trumpet do you have a outbound sales function are you selling you know day to day and yeah who do you what's your icp um, at Trump, are you selling to head of sales or, you know, who are you guys reaching out to? Because salespeople don't like to be sold to. <laughs> yeah, you do find that when you try and sell to salespeople, they're just trying to sell you their product back at you, um, oh, yeah. which can be quite frustrating. Um, yeah, so we've got currently we've got an SDR. We've got two AEs hiring for another at the moment. Um, may stretch that to four. Um, you've got myself selling and Rory, who's one of our other co-founders, there's three of us in Trumpet. Rory was um, head of sales for Emea for Hotjar, uh, which was a bit of a rocket ship. Um, so he, he comes with incredible sales experience and knows all of those the tools and the tricks and the secrets that maybe I didn't know, you know, I'm more of a personality salesperson. So us combined is quite powerful. Um, and yeah, our go to market is, is both. So we've got a big inbound flow. So we do a lot of uh, content marketing, we make a lot of noise. Um, so we get a lot of inbound. We're trying to get a bit of a product led growth motion going. Um, so people sign up, use it for free, get going, love it, and then go to a pay plan. Um, with sort of no interaction from us. And then on the other side, our outbound motion is going to, yeah, the more mid-market and enterprise customers. Um, ICP, very varied. I think the, the, 
That's the beauty and the problem of Trumpet. Basically, anyone with a sales team should be using Trumpet. But, you know, that could be a two-person sales per team or a 5,000 sales team. Um, what we are very focused on is zooming in for our, our own sales team. So sort of mid-market, 50 to 400 employees um, might take like five to 30 seats on Trumpet, um, B2B um tech sales um are sort of where we like hone in on um but yeah we, we we cover all ranges um and yeah the, the beauty of trumpet is you can use trumpet to sell trumpet so obviously trumpet is a, is is an outbound tool as well so you know we call them pods these digital spaces so you know our team are spinning up these pods and using trumpet to sell trumpet so you know when they open a pod we're like this is the product and we're selling it to you within our own product um so that's quite a nice position uh, and quite a unique position to be in for us interesting so i guess for like an initial email it, it would be uh, a hyperlink to trumpet or it'd just be like how would that work i guess and and how's the space changing is it sounds like you you guys are doing lots in the content space do you think outbound b2b sales is going to become or is becoming more content-led so yeah two questions there i guess first off how does trumpet work uh, for an str or an account executive and then how do you see maybe the str role evolving or outbound sales evolving you know down the line yeah, so so our, our sort of core user is an AE, um, and you know one of our best use cases is uh, sort of a post demo follow up. So you've done the disco, the discovery call, or you've done a demo. Rather than following up with an email with a deck and loads of links, you follow up with this link, and you can just say, "Hey, thanks so much for our demo. Uh, we're going to manage our relationship going forward in this digital space. Just click on this link, and they can open it up, and it's personalised to them." which the AE can do in like seconds. Um, it's got all the content they need. You can drop in the recording of your demo. You can drop in other video content, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and just give the buyer everything they need up front to make a buying decision. The beauty of that is also in one space. So your champion, if they need to get internal buy-off from more stakeholders, they can just send the pod to their stakeholders and be like, look, this is everything that Trumpet is about. So that's our core use case. SDRs, yes. So as you'd expect, without instead of sending a deck, um, you can send a personalized pod. So, you know, they open it up, it's personalized to them, their name, their brand, their colors, um, and has information about your product. And then, you know, like a, a Calendly embed so they can book a demo. Um, SDRs are a funny one because we're not a magic bullet. So if you are a poor SDR, um, we won't, you know, get them open for you. Uh, you know, we've had SDRs come back and go, oh, it doesn't work. And we'd say, oh, let's let's talk through what you're doing. And they would do one touch point and they didn't get an open and then they didn't follow up. And we were like, well, to be an, a good SDR, you need an, on average eight touch points before you get any engagement. So you can't just think you'll just message them cold on LinkedIn with a pod and think, you know, you'll get a meeting. But so we're very much at the whim of the SDR in that use case, um, whereas the AE, it's already warm um so yeah they're sort of two of the main use cases but then we have customer success and account management that can also use these pods as well so it can go across the whole the whole sort of revenue team as we call them um which is really exciting for us um what was the second question second question how do you see the sort of outbound sales space evolving with with content yeah so you know we're we're very much at the forefront of this trend called buyer enablement 
So for years and years and years, it's been about sales enablement, which is essentially tools to make salespeople better hunters, but not thinking about the buyer. So it just allows you to, you know, sequence them more, find out information about them and blast them. And, you know, it's all about the salesperson just bang, 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 bang. Now, buyer enablement has come along and Trumpet, we call a buyer enablement tool, which is thinking about the buyer. So it's not thinking about how can we blast the buyer. It's about how can we make the buying experience as enjoyable as possible. And if you make a enjoyable buying experience, people will buy from you more. Um, and that is buyer enablement. And part of that is personalization. Part of that is collaboration. So actually bringing a prospect into your space, not being like one way, just blasting them. Um, it's multi-stakeholder, multi-threading. Um, so making sure you've got all the content for the multi, uh, the different stakeholders to make sure they have everything they need. It's not about gating your content just to get an email address. It's about giving them the content, educate your buyer. I think a Gartner report recently says, you know, 33% of tech buyers don't even want to speak to anyone. Um, so it's not about trying to get them on calls and trying to get them on, um, you know, demos every five minutes. It's about having one conversation with them and following up with everything they need to make a decision. Um, and, and that's what buyer enablement's all about. And I fear that especially with AI, um, salespeople, especially SDRs, are now almost being coached to, to spam at scale, I call it. Um, and, you know, AI will, you know, will allow you to just spurt out outreach incredibly quickly with some level of personalization. Um, but I really think that's not the way to do sales. It's actually, I think, going to go the opposite way, where it's about hyper-personalization, taking the time to give them the content that's relevant to them and not just throwing everyone into the same bucket with just small elements of personalization. I already get sold to with AI and I can see it a mile off. Um, so, yeah, I think we need to be really, really careful that sales is a person-to-person -person activity. Um, people buying from you are people, they're not machines. So um, I'm very sceptical of these sort of mass spray and pray AI solutions that are out there at the moment. Interesting. No, I appreciate you sharing that. That's, that's super interesting to, to hear. I think from my side, there's going to be a big shift as well to back to even in-person sales as well in terms of outbound weirdly uh through events and um less of the sort of spray and pray ai approach because i think it's just such it's such a busy space actually being in the room with people um or you know a virtual room is even better um cool well this is the sales and sports podcast we said we keep it 20 minutes i think we've just gone over um are you a sports fan and what are the crossovers you see between you know, early stage startups um, and sports or even sales and sports. Um, we'd love to hear hear your thoughts if you've played sports before or support teams as well. Yes, I'm a big, big football fan. Um, so I've played football since I was like 10. Um, as I've got older, uh, I've become probably less useful on the pitch. Uh, try and play by the side now, but sort of injure myself every time I do. Um, must must remember to stretch better. Mm -hmm. Um 
I'm a big Spurs fan. Um, so, yeah, I've supported Spurs. It's been in my family my whole life. Um, so I go to as many games as possible. I live in London, so I get get to go, go to the Spurs Stadium as much as possible. Um, so pretty happy with where we are at the moment. Uh, so sort of relatively happy Spurs fan, which is rare. Um, and I think there are so many crossovers, um, mm. especially with sales um, and founders, probably. Um you know, if you think, let's just think of athletes, um, they have to be relentless, they have to deal with rejection, um, they have to work on themselves all the time, but also work as a team. Um, they have to put in so much effort to just get small percentage gains. Um, and I think that is the same with founders and sales. It's always bettering yourself to it to just get that one or two percent better which will put you ahead of the competition whether it's another person in your sales team or as a company or a founder out outplaying your competition um so yeah i i think there are a lot a lot of crossovers um between the two um and yeah i was never good enough to get sort of pro level but you know the people at that level you know the elite athletes are like the elite founders in terms of their mentality um so yeah i think that there's very um very similar crossovers which is why now a lot of athletes are actually investing in startups as well yeah. uh, it's a sort of world that they understand and, and they get that that mentality i think and just before we wrap um be foolish not to ask you know what do you what do you feel um what was the emotions when harry kane left spurs and also uh what do you make of and big Anja at spurs are you guys going to get top four this season is he going to stay? Or is he gonna stay? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, gutted when Harry left, but ha happy for him. Uh, you know, he, had, I, you know, since I've been alive, he's been playing, and so you know, I've watched him become one of the best strikers in the world. Um, and unlike some Spurs fans, I would love him to win some stuff at Bayern. Um, he deserves it. Just an incredible professional, um, and yeah just seemed like one of those true sort of gents you know he was family focused he focused on football you'd never see him in the papers um and for whatever reason he's he's, he's always undervalued by english people but he's the greatest scorer of all time for england the greatest scorer of all time for tottenham like he's he's an absolute legend and will always be and hopefully he'll come back you know one day maybe like gareth bale did um and yeah big Ange. um I mean, he's a masterclass in leadership. Um, I've watched a lot of his videos um, in changing rooms and in the sort of um, analysis rooms. Um, and he feels like that perfect crossover of firm but fair. So, you know, I feel like you wouldn't mess with him, um, but he also seems, uh, the players seem to gravitate to him and want to perform to him. Um, and, you know, his whole manager seems to be he's sort of underestimated his whole career and for everywhere he's gone, he's won. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's great just to see Spurs playing Spurs football again. Uh, Free-flowing football, very exciting. Uh, losing games, winning games, but it's never dull. Um, and I think, yeah, we should, get, you know, when the season started, I would have said seventh, you know, especially having yeah. lost Harry. Um, but you know, this young team we're formulating now is mega exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think fourth definitely this year. Um, and I think over the next three, four, four years with Ange there, um, I could see us winning a title, you know, with Klopp leaving, with Guardiola probably leaving. 
this young team, which, you know, a lot of our best players now are under 24. Yeah. Um, I think can be a, a real powerhouse over the next four or five years. Nice. Also got a solid back line with, was it Van der Ven, Romero, seriously good wing backs coming through. So as well. Um, so yeah, it's exciting being a Spurs fan, no doubt. But yeah, Nick, absolute pleasure having you on. Thanks so much. Where's the best place for people to, to find you if they want to link in or learn more about Trump Trumpet? Yeah, so I'm I'm on LinkedIn. Um, so so find me on LinkedIn, connect with me on there. Um, I'm I'm constantly giving tips about being a founder, startup sales. Um, and if you want to check out Trumpet, that's on sendtrumpet.com. Awesome. And the podcast, your podcast still going? I was a listener. Yeah, rebooting the podcast. So that's called Pitch Deck. So actually that will be coming out in the next, it was meant to be fair, but next next few weeks, hopefully. Um, and that's all around early stage investing. So if you're a founder um, and you're, you're raising an early round or you're just interested in fundraising for startups, um, yeah, go find that. It's called Pitch Deck. Awesome. Thanks so much, Nick. Thanks, Thanks Jack. Cheers. See you soon. See ya. Bye-bye.